Dogs, swab the decks and hoist the sails. The guns on board be needing some proper manning. Pieces of eight and a fine wench on your arm. If you work, be not too shoddy. Careful not to flounder too badly, though, or you may have to dance the hemp and jig. As we see you to Davy Jones, the Jeffy, my boy, on with the show. Vast mihades. To our listeners from across all regions of the planet, welcome once again aboard the Robin Hood, flagship to the world's one and only cooperatively inspired charity podcast network, WPRPN. Live streaming today from just off the shores of South Korea's. Let's just see how far we can kick. This Super Summit can down the road peninsula. You're listening to episode 109 of Pirate Radio Podcasts. I'm your host as always, the ship's chief communications officer, Jaffe Ryder. With a vast array of experience in military and law enforcement, host of the Sword Point Nine web stream, Kaiser's Castle, the one and only Kaiser Schuff joins us this week with his take on a range of current events and behind-the-scenes covert geopolitical activities. Celebrating with a few Miller High Life champagne-flavored pirate pops, Kaiser tackles everything spanning from his personal professional career, the supposed foobar death of Osama bin Laden, human trafficking, Benghazi intrigue, Freemasonry, and his own personal German Teutonic heritage. Coincidence or not, our pre-recorded conversation was archived during the last week of March and predicted big happenings on the Korean Peninsula. All right, folks. Well, it looks like we've managed to bring on board here someone who actually I crossed paths with a couple of years ago, have not talked to in a while, but from just out of the blue yesterday, all because of some uh, melodrama <laughs> or high drama, what have you, going down over on Minds.com, I felt it was important that I reach out and make an attempt to reconnect we finally managed to do that. So if you're at the ready, Kaiser, you can maybe make your presence known. Yeah, I'm here. All What's right. going on, Jaffrey? Well, just uh, doing what I can here to put this interview together with you. So what I'm going to do is just a quick little rundown or overview of your, not really backstory so much as your biography and resume in a nutshell i know there's a lot of other things too that i won't be able to really uh that i'll be just glossing over and not even acknowledging maybe you can bring those into the picture or talk about them if you feel they're applicable or critical this particular moment but from just simply your facebook bio what the information you have there tells us is that you worked as an independent writer 
and thinker. You're currently still doing that, I'd imagine. Uh, SAIC and company man at Great Machines, past Ohio Army National Guard, well-studied school of hard knocks, and so on and so forth. You've been all over the place, so real-world traveler here. Virginia Beach, Virginia, Grove City, Ohio. You've, uh, of course, been stationed in places such as Afghanistan and elsewhere in the capacity of what I can really only refer to as a mercenary is one of the best words I can come up with. We talked yesterday, of course, just in brief, and hired gun or, uh, you know, maybe a soldier of fortune or there's all sorts of different descriptive language a person could come up with. How would you put things and what would you have to say as far as in a nutshell, your backstory, but also your thoughts on, if, as you can best recall, how we first met. I'll tell you a few things real quick. Uh, the backstory that I have on Facebook is not completely correct. Uh, I started out in the U.S. Army. I uh, was a Cold Warrior as a military policeman, 95 Bravo at the time. Now it's 31 Bravo. Then I went on to being a Marine military policeman. And that's a 5811. I did that for the Gulf War. The wall fell before the Gulf War, or during the Gulf War, actually. November 9th, my birthday. Uh, Grove City, Ohio, all that other stuff, that's ancillary Moxnicks. Uh, I am an independent writer and thinker. Uh, I did go into the National Guard. I did three years Army, four years Marine Corps, active duty. And I did another eight years in the Ohio Army National Guard. That's all fact. Anybody can look it up. Went through school. I'm not going to say. That's why I say the school of hard knocks. Got my stuff done. Ended up for my graduate's degree going into uh, emergency management, a master's course. I do not believe they no longer offer it. And I don't think they show it anymore from where I went through. But that is how I know about certain things within emergency management or FEMA, what people say. You know what they'll talk about. Went to work for the federal government. I pushed myself through college, paying as I went, as a union iron worker. Yes, I built buildings, built bridges. I did rebar. I hung iron. I did detail. I was a detail foreman. And I was a foreman as a uh, guy slinging rebar on bridges. When I graduated, I went to work just before... 2000, I had a guy die on my job in 99. It was over Christmas, and I got accepted with my first federal agency. I'm not going to get into that name, and I never do. 2003, I went to my second federal agency, and I worked for DLA, Defense Logistics Agency, as an investigator. Police, you know, I went through Fletzy. Also worked as an Immigration and Customs Enforcement with CBP in a field office. Did that thing. I contracted with SAIC, MPRI. Armor Group, General Contract, a couple other minor things in foreign work. I've worked for Watan Risk Management, KBSS, which is Kabul Balak Safety and Security, and also with, um, what's the name of that company? Uh, well, it was April Paper Manufacturing. The gentleman's name is Andreas, but he calls himself Andy or Andrew Vema. You can look him up since you're in Asia. He's a specialist in Southeast Asian terrorism, 
and it was uh, eco terrorism that I investigated a homicide, a couple homicides, and about eight arsons on in Indonesia was the island of uh, Padang. I flew in through uh, Peru from uh, Singapore, the most heavily surveilled country I've ever been in, besides Vegas. Heavily surveilled unless there's a mass shooting underway, and then suddenly, for some mysterious reason, there's just no video footage to be found. Exactly. That, now, that's that's something we can talk about another time. That's quite a magic trick. <laughs> no, I, I actually have insight into that, and I made videos on that. So, And we should remind listeners, too, that you recently have launched your own YouTube channel. I'm not sure if you're working on developing things to the point where you are producing a, a weekly podcast or put something together as far as iTunes, let's say, is concerned or what have you. But why don't we just kind of put the brakes on things there for the moment? I mean, it's quite cool. clear, obviously, you've got a pretty extensive resume and with quite a colorful backstory, multitude of alphabet soup agencies that you have worked for over the years in a variety of capacities. Why don't we just, uh, mostly for our listeners' sake, but also so we can work on trying to refresh our own memories here, how is it that you recall we first managed to cross paths, come into contact uh, online? I'm not going to get into details on the actual subject matter, but it was an after show. We were doing a, a peanut gallery afterwards, uh, for Leo Ashcroft. But the first time we ever crossed paths uh, was, uh, I believe it was Dr. J. You happened to be in the peanut gallery, too, where we would just call in and ask questions. And uh, it was fun. I mean, you know, we enjoyed it. But you always, I remember, you know, we, we were both just chilling and stuff and just living life and being honest. And the best part about it was there was no animosity between either of us. You know, it was just we're joking around. Then we met each other at Leo Ashcroft's thing. And I told you, I said, you're going to go somewhere, brother. I said, because you started helping Leo with his stuff. And I was super happy that you were doing that thing. So that's basically how we ran across each other. And you, and by the way, you've never changed your name or your profile pic. So I always knew that that was Jaffe. Yeah, it's good to stick to the easily recognizable avatar, whoever you may be, right? Part of the branding game, I suppose. But uh, you mentioned earlier, I guess not, it wasn't na maritime police. Why don't you, if you would, talk to us a little bit about because this is all part of how we structure our show that uh the captain captain long john sinclair one of the things that he requests of visitors to pirate radio podcast is that they bring with them a little pirate story uh, i matey i can do that <laughs> it doesn't have to be anything huge or out of the ordinary it can be seemingly trivial or in-depth as you would so choose, but just anything off the top of your head as far as a pirate tie-in? Oh, yeah. I uh, work maritime security off the coast of Somalia. Also helped a brother of mine who wrote a book. He had a failed mission. He actually got arrested in Egypt. Hunnis got arrested there. 
that was during the Arab Spring, and that was done by Hillary Clinton, and he was an Austrian man. If you want to know who he is, you can just look up Hannes and uh, arrested uh, landing in an airport when I told him to take the ship from where it was going and called him because of the unsettled times and uh, he failed to do that and he was decided to come in with the bolt action I I believe there were Moss and Nagants which are great guns bolt action to be sure but they'll still range in AK-47 on the open sea too and even on a floating platform if you know what you're doing and they were custom jobs I saw his builds good man he went to prison for three or four years over that now mine was uh, Somalia working for a company they had their stuff together we had different types of guns I'm not getting into it but yeah we had people don't realize that Modern piracy has a a big boat that launches these smaller skiffs, and they'll come at you from the front and to the rear. And if you aren't able to carry weapons, then you have to make Molotov cocktails, uh, drop them down on them. If you are able to carry them, they're usually guns that will range AK-47s, and you'll piece part the boat before it ever gets to you. So it was anti-piracy work, not piracy work. I matey. And this is, did you say, the coast of Somalia? You don't have to be on the coast. They will send those ships out there into the uh, ocean to intercept you, and then they will bring you in once they take the captaincy and the the bridge over. They will take them into Somalia and then ransom the boat and the people. And I'm talking to you, so I was never ransomed. So that's all I'll say on that. I don't want to get into specifics. Yeah, it's quite the ongoing issue throughout that region, of course. Including down by um, close to you, man. I mean, it, it happens off of uh, Indonesia. I mean, you know, when, when we talk about flotsam and jetsam, I'm a soldier of the sea, a Marine. And uh, I can tell you honestly that in that flotsam and jetsam, you'll find boats and pieces of people. You know, and it floats in the trade winds, the waters. So that's my two cents on it. I think uh, that should suffice. That's actually one of the more hard-hitting and, I guess, real... Uh, what is the word I'm looking for here? Gripping or uh, some more adjectives, perhaps. <laughs> but anyways, no, that's a great story, of course, and some great context. And from what I'm hearing here via my secondary earpiece that yes the captain is listening actually the captain is standing by i'm not sure. no i now's not a good time i don't think hang on a second we can come in later okay At the end of the show yeah okay yeah we're gonna have the captain maybe and you'll have to remind us too in case we forget but we'll try to have him drop by i remember it'll be interesting to meet captain don't know who he is <laughs> Captain Long John Sinclair. Everybody. Knows, oh, okay. Uh, Remember, you got to tell everybody. Mines was the mess up that we met on because we have. I've never blocked or stopped 
Jaffe at all, and I was answering him, and somehow I blocked him on Minds, and we both were laughing about it. He's like, what's up? You blocked me. And I'm like, no, I didn't. Yeah, I so, wasn't sure. But it was because I, I just got on Minds. Yeah. He knows. Yeah, he yeah. he was calling me out on something that I was like, what are they charging me money for? And he's like, it's not that, it's this. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm new to this, and you walk me through the hashtags and the ads. So... We gotta be real with the people on how we reconnected because oh yeah yeah, yeah. so just a mini you know. tutorial there I wasn't sure I was had no idea whether it was me uh, being a prick or me being an asshole yeah I know or, I or, well no it was it was just a mistake is how things turned out that's and, exactly what it was yeah I was keeping a very open mind of course as I typically like to do with any situation oh you did. And I'm sure fine. you do as well too. Uh, given oh, you, the, your line of work, you have to keep an open mind. You know, I talk to the wife about this all the time. How false assumptions they can be quite deadly. And I'm yes, sure they you, can. You know that more than it. Be careful. If there's one thing that pisses me off, that you know, it's it's false assumptions that really kind of uh, they really make my blood boil. Uh, I try not to let it get to me, but. As soon as I see any false assumption at play, I typically try to uh, either ex- have it exposed or at least present it or have it brought above board so people can clearly see that they should be a little more on guard and careful with their with their thinking as far as like logic is concerned and so forth. But on on that note, uh, I'd kind of like to shift gears a little bit here and, and draw cool. the focus more to the Korean Peninsula. Uh, cool. You were stationed here back a number of years ago. Perhaps you'd like to just kind of fill listeners in on your experience here uh, in Korea, the southern portion of the peninsula, and exactly. as well as your analysis of things uh, Presently, how you see the current political uh, chess game? I suppose, as it were, uh, they they do. There's a reason they re- it's it's referred to as the theater of war. I think you probably understand that more than maybe most uh, people. Uh, but uh, perhaps you'd like to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, that's why we have Thad missiles there. Remember, theater air defense. Um, for the Korean Peninsula, uh, the THAAD missile system. Um, here's what I'll tell you that I know from my time when I was there. And unfortunately, I haven't been there s- since that time, but I have brothers that are there that feed me intel all the time. That's very fortunate for me because I saw something three weeks ago, and now it's news. But anyways, back when I first went there, it was uh, 91 to 92. We had uh, two Marine Corps exclusive operations. One's called Bear Hunt. The other one is called, uh, I got to look at my NPR band. Hold on. Valiant Blitz. And then the uh, third one was Army and Marine Corps. And it was called um, Team Spirit. And every time, because I was a Marine, we would go to the same place. Pohong, Toksakuri. Of course, because of the military policemen, uh, Ajima took care of me, and uh, I had always had a woman there. You know, I was single. I was raging, having a good time. No babies there, thank God. You know, I'd, I wouldn't want to do that to a woman. But, um, yeah, so that was my experience there. Uh, Soju Monster, I know very well. Uh, Makali, which is like a rotten milk. 
And I remember when the first time I was introduced to my girlfriend, I couldn't stand it because of the breath, right? And they mm. said, no, you need to eat soju, oh, right? God. Oh, God. Or not soju, uh, kimchi. Yeah, the garlic and I kimchi. Oh. Yeah, I couldn't stand cabbage kimchi. But I love, and I still love it to this day, cucumber kimchi or radish kimchi. I can eat both of them. I can't do cabbage at all. So cucumber the, the, with the yeah. vinegar, or, or I think it was the slimy fill to it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because sure, cucumber, yeah. you get like a pickle. Sure. Uh, Makali was like a, a heinously rotten milk, and it was white in color. Soju, of course, they turned into jungle juice. Then that other stuff, um, I can't think of the name of it. But then we OB beer, we drank OB beer. I'm just giving you the lusty tales of adventure now. I mean, you know, but then after leaving there, like I said, with fond memories, I always had the people in the hermit kingdom always seemed very good. And I've read several people, Michael Malice's books on what happened in the North. I know what happened when Dennis Rodman went up there. Certain things that I know, you know, some things I'm not going to get into in too depth. But the most positive thing I saw, besides us trying to destabilize them until Trump came into office, and I will give credit to Trump. Remember, in November, he went down and did his Asia trip. And anybody that went to my uh, my thing, we'll see, three weeks ago, before anybody, I said, the deal's done. Korea... Unless the deep state gets a hold of this, which they may have, China now, news breaking today, while me and Jaffe are talking, Xi Jinping brought Kim in, into China, and all he needs is a safe place, because he learned, just like his father did, from Saddam and also every other dictator, when we take over, uh, nothing good happens to those people. And they're looking for a safe place to fall, unfortunately. And they probably will find that safe place. That deal's done. And I'm shocked it came out this quick. I thought it would come out closer to May. I thought it would be like a late Easter surprise. But that was my intel at the time. They have not officially announced any agreement, though. There's an, they? No, there's an agreement. Right, right. That's all kind of... Of course, and there's always, as a lot of people don't, even the mainstream press don't seem to want to acknowledge or give credit to the fact that you've always got back channels, right. undercurrents of communication that are in place. Dennis Rodman was highly instrumental, I would have to say, based on just from my vantage point, most people mocking the guy because of his appearance and uh, his uh, personal track record. But let's not forget, Trump and Rodman maintain, um, I think, a pretty decent working relationship, shall we say, and uh, know each other quite well on a personal basis and have had, you know, that's been the case now for quite some time. Even uh, off the record from what I've heard, and this is all courtesy of Joe, the Joe Rogan experience. If people were paying attention and following what uh, some of his guests were saying, I think it was Polly Shore, the comedian, uh, was on his show and talked about how he'd been speaking with Rodman 
and how Dennis had told him then in in con that privately uh little Kim Kim Jong Un actually very much right. admires Trump but he just oh, for yeah. political reasons I guess cannot come out and openly admit that he's got to put on a, a brave or a brave face. bombastic face yes exactly yeah. here's the thing about Rodman a lot of people don't know it's just like Jim Morrison Jim Morrison said he'd never had a dad. I'm a bastard, so I never had a dad. But Rodman did, and so did Morrison. Morrison's dad worked for Naval Intelligence. Rodman's dad was actually CIA. Rodman asked the CIA if he could go over there under their auspices. So oh. there, I'm breaking something you never knew. That's news to me, and I'm, I'm sure oh, many no. of our listeners uh, as well too so isn't that something uh now how widely is it known that his father was cia well within the ic it's very widely known the ic standing for international intelligence community, community. intelligence, intelligence community. gotcha how about that the fact people can look this up it's open source information it's not look i love robert david still his open source everything because that's the only way for intelligence. If you think I'm leaking something that's not already been outed, you're wrong. I'm leaking stuff only that's been outed. And just because, you know, I still have a security clearance. And as you know, I'm bouncing back to Afghanistan. So this is the way this world works. You know, you got to back your ass up. Yeah, you're going to be heading back there uh, quite shortly in what sort of capacity? I don't want to get into capacities and stuff like that. But you know what I've done in the background. You can talk about it. I'm oh, it. I would imagine like a private military PSDs, con- contractor, yeah. consultant of some sort. I, so, Well, that's here's the thing. I, I told Jaffe about this, and, and I want to let you, all you guys know. Look, I have no problems being called a mercenary, this, that, and the other. I don't care because really I, I don't think I am. I've never done anything against my government only to advance my government's ability. But to me, the words don't mean anything. But the appropriate term that most people who do what I do are three terms. Contractor with a K, not a C. Because if you say it with a C, they'll say residential or you know, are you doing it for businesses? And it's always funny. I, I, I just, when they say that, I'll just be like a little of both. The other thing is a consultant. That's correct. And, uh, the third thing that I'll say that will never get anybody in any hot water with the dude that does what I do is a professional soldier, but mercenary dog of war, uh, soldier of fortune, all that stuff has negative connotations because of past times. And people just think like we're animals and we're not. Most of us come out of military and LEO, law enforcement uh, officer agencies, and we're just not that way. We have some ethics, some ethos. I mean, I've been in a couple movies, uh, documentaries, Shadow Company. Kali Jungi prison uprising. You'll hear my voice. You're hearing it now. You'll hear it. You know, certain things happen in life. And I just force got myself through the world. I bodyguarded Steve Martin, Mike Siner. I disagree 
with vehemently the mayor of Charlottesville, but I still don't regret bodyguarding him and making him come home safe. And he knows he had to come to Jesus moment with me. Everybody does. Um, Trish DiGennaro, writer for the HuffPo, Rifka Berry, uh, author, decided to come back to her home state. I've lost money on many of these contracts because I believe in the project. You know, I've worked through USAID, Democracy International, uh, State Department, you know, U.S. Army, United States Marine Corps. This is just the way I roll. But in 2009, because if you want to, we'll get into that, but I don't want to get into it at this point. What, what is that why, exactly? Why I didn't work directly for the U.S. government after 2009. Yeah, I mean, unless, of course, we'd like to know about that. I'm not sure why it is you wouldn't want to talk about it, or if you were able to and, and willing. Uh, oh, I can. Do so just in I a thought I told you. sensitive or just the most kind of skillful manner. So the thing is, I might know that, but our listeners certainly don't. So maybe now would be a good time to fill them in. Well, I'll jump in real quick. Okay, 2009, I took a contract for a uh, crap company that wanted to hire us as employees. And it's the last time I worked for a U.S. company. And I haven't worked for one since. What ended up happening is... I was training my Ugandan troops that were guarding the entrance and the egress to Victory Base Camp, not getting into the actual company. Don't want to do that because there's litigation going on right now. But after four months and them screwing around with our pay, I opened a drawer to put training records in. And all of a sudden, I opened the wrong drawer and I see all their passports. I see all these Ugandan passports. And I looked at my program manager and I said, what is this? And he goes, shut the drawer and shut your mouth. I said, no, I've seen it now. What are you doing? We're human trafficking. Now being the lowest man, I wasn't the lowest man, but a low man on the totem pole, I knew, you know, shit flows downhill. And uh, I shut the drawer, put him in, and I said, okay, I need a aisle seat to fly back home tomorrow. And I did. I left. Yeah, I wasn't going to stay there anymore. Uh, That night, before I left, I talked to CID, NIS, which now is NCIS, DCIS, and they all came back and said, this is the Obama Aid for Africa program. And I found out what that Obama Aid for Africa program was. If you want to delve into it, I'll delve into it with you and tell you what it is. Absolutely. We're staring at it here. It's right in the crosshairs at the moment. So I'm just not too clear. You open the drawer, you find it's filled with these Ugandan, presumably doctors. Ugandan passports. No, no, it's their passports. Okay, genuine, bona fide. That's that's human. Look, I worked for Immigration and Customs. I know fine line. Anyways, I know what a passport how is looks it, like. How is it human trafficking? That would be the question. Then, How exactly would... Anytime a human being does not have access to their passport, that is human trafficking because they do not have free travel away okay. from the area. Gotcha. Now, you were not... You did not open the passport, so you had no idea whether male, female, the ages of these individuals, but there was just a lot of 
passports, Ugandan passports yeah. in the drawer. And the Ugandans never had passports when we checked their stuff. They just had their orders and their little DOD ID. You know, this is an issue that we would like to talk about if you're... Yeah, if I'm you're willing game. to talk about well, it. Well, uh, yeah. human, human trafficking is a big issue, it obviously. Is. And it's not it's a... It's sick. Well, it's It's, it's not slavery. A, right. Yeah, sure. It's, it's not a good thing. Uh, it is, I guess, for those who are lining their pockets and... Uh, cashing in basically what it could be of course sexual slavery prostitution so a lot of pretty, and that happened yeah well, for sure a lot of really wicked things so it's not something that uh, the crew here on the robin hood support or stand for of course we are pirates of a different of a different if you want uh, me to talk about it or ignore it i will I, well, I let's, don't let's, care. Well, we've got a few minutes. We could go into it. I think we're there now. So let's uh, delve a little deeper into the issue. What can you share with us as far as your thoughts on the issues of uh, human trafficking uh, and what can be done as far as solutions or means of improving the state and the status or situation where people who have been uh, abducted or, or taken into slavery of sorts can what can be done to improve their lot it's not my thought it's the reality of it and here's what the reality of this program was and this is what a dcis agent defense criminal investigation service agent told me at the time i'm going to be very frank with you the people i ran the people i trained the people that were doing the static gig because it was a static gig it was the only time I accepted less money than I normally would take for a job. Because I normally would not move out of my house for less than 10K. I took it because we needed money at the time. I'm not getting into why, but we did. When I opened that drawer, all I saw was all these passports, and they're getting paid $600 a month. And I knew the Obama Aid for Africa program paid their dictator in Uganda $2,000 per head, like cattle, per month. It's not like a one-time payment. And I was incensed. I knew they were getting that payment, but I thought these people could leave whenever they want. Once I saw those passports, I knew, and this guy goes, because it's the Obama Aid for Africa program, and DCIS is the IG for DOD. And when they're telling you they can't do anything, now the IG is about to unwind everything with DOJ and everything else because now they're free to do it. And it's probably going to boil back to Obama and also Hillary. And, all, and if your people are liberal, I'm sorry. This is where these bodies are buried. And so, yes, Obama was a slave trafficker because he knew and those orders were given when that guy told me to shut the door he goes everybody knows that we have to keep them because they'll lose their passports they wouldn't have lost their passports i never lost mine and no other tcn uh, third country national and no other american or no brit or no south african ever lost their passports it was slavery we were running slaves and obama knew this his aid for africa program was built to do this. And then you had idiots within that company, which I also reported, and there was nothing they could do because of the Aid for Africa program. And these idiots were 
I had a dude come up to me one time and say, hey, you want to get on this girl? I was like, dude, I'm married. I want to take something back to my wife. What are you talking about? Well, you know, a couple hundred. No, no, I'm not ready. No. Are you are you stupid? That's reality. And now they have the slave markets, just like Gaddafi said, reopened in Libya. Those antique blocks that people get auctioned off are being used again. And guess what? Hillary did that. Oh, I'm pretty good at kill people. And then her going, ah, he came, he saw, he died. <laughs> Evil is always with a laugh. That was quite the debacle, taking things back to the Gaddafi era. And in particular, all of the trouble, um, the shit that went down, basically, from out of the U.S. Embassy there with the uh, uh, ambassador yeah. being murdered, along with... is a real major shitstorm, of course. So. Well, the ambassador, Christopher... Here's the thing about Christopher... I got offered that job. I'm not going to get into specifics. People who know me know, and I still have the uh, the saved emails. One person that was going there, I, I told him not to do it. He, he didn't have the skill set, and I turned it down, and I do have the skill set. You, you, you and, got offered uh, not the ambassador's position, but a security no, job. No, it, it, was, it was, yeah, he died. Anyways, I, I don't want to get into names. Anyways. And he told me, fuck you, chef, you just want to take this job. And I'm like, no, I'm warning you off. Don't take this. Because I went through WIPS training with State Department. World Protection Service training. That's what WIPS is. You saw it clearly. The, the writing was on the wall. The clouds were on oh, the yeah. horizon. Oh, yeah. Here, look. Christopher Stevens was nothing more the, than an American Adnan Kushagi gun dealer when i say gun dealer it's not guns it's missiles even the movie alludes to it in the beginning where they're trying to recover missiles that were sold and they say well it's an additional embassy in uh libya well if it was a libyan embassy it's going to be in tripoli and if you have an annex and i can prove this because i worked in Iraq, when it was an unhealthy state, and we were trying to pacify it, the embassy was in Baghdad, not the actual embassy, but we actually used the palace that Saddam had. I met Condoleezza Rice there, and several other people there. But the thing is, when you have an annex, there's a reason. Usually you're going to find a CIA complex very close to it, if not in it. And that's all I'll say about Benghazi. You referenced a movie. What uh, film would this be exactly? I think it's called 13 Hours. Look, if you're taking a job like that, you have to be able to have a way to get your people infilled and exfilled. That's your job. Your job is not to go home. When I have my come to Jesus moment with my protectees, I make sure to tell them my job is to make sure you get home. Me getting home, you don't build no bond with me. You're going home. And I don't want to see it go there. But if it does, I have to realize this is my job. And that's as a TL, a 2IC, a TL team leader or a second in charge. 
and I'm using English terms, so anybody that wants to try to snipe me, I've worked more for English-type companies or foreign companies than I have with State Department or any of the, you know, DSS agents only controlled me a few times. And uh, DSS is Diplomatic Security Service. And that's why with the Blackwater shooting, they wanted to pin that stuff on Blackwater. There was a DSS agent in each one of those vehicles that could have stopped that shooting. And, and trust me, they will not shoot unless that DSS agent says shoot. But instead, they go after the company because then they can cleanse themselves through diplomatic security service by saying, oh, it's just a rogue bunch of dudes, even though there's a DSS agent that could have stopped them and said, no, don't shoot. So it's all muff fake, man. It's all lies and obfuscation. I'm being very honest. I hope you understand this on this. And I may not get my clearance back. Well, that's... uh our kind of default position with any guests that we have is that they are providing us and, and giving us the straight goods and, and nothing less than that, of course. So let's see where else we can take this now. There's all sorts of different directions, of course, but one of the, well, this business, I tell you, with the Libyan uh, American embassy in uh, Tripoli, I guess is where it was, of course, as you... The annex. It wasn't the Libyan embassy. I was in Tripoli. It was the annex. And an annex, what does that stand for exactly? An annex is, you have an embassy and an embassy annex, which is always a front. Whenever you see embassy annex, it's a front for the CIA, USAID, which is the friendly face of the CIA, SAIC, which is nothing more than spell it backwards. It's SAIC is the corporate face of the CIA. And it's Scientific Applications Investors Corporation. Trust me, I've worked for all these. Anyways, whatever. It is what it is. Not getting into the... <laughs> Since 2009, you've uh, worked strictly and simply in the capacity of a private... No, uh, since 2001. I've been doing this... Almost 20 years. But you had no formal affiliation or have not taken any government contracts or had any federal affiliation since 2001 or 2009? No formal federal affiliations since 2009. Right. I have not worked directly for the U.S. government, and I will not. And I'm not going to on this next contract either. And you're not going to get into why that is the case? Is that is that if I'm hearing you correctly, or are you able to... Yeah, I, I wouldn't do it. Or... I wouldn't do it under the corrupt administrations that were yeah. there. Here's one thing I was thinking That's about. That's all I'll that. say. Look, I'm an equal opportunity hater. People can look me up, and if, if they really want to know something, they'll be like, oh, he's a racist. He's this, he's that. No, you're not going to vilify me. I'm not going to be ashamed of anything I've done because I'm not a racist. I have brothers, and Jaffe knows this. He's been on my page. Muslims that I trust that have stood next to me boot to boot in actual shootouts. I'm nothing special. I'm a regular guy, folks. I'm no special forces, sill, badass, gamer dude. No. I just know how to deal with people. And I deal on the real. You must have had some close calls over the years. Probably more than a few, I would imagine. I have. But, you know, who cares? I mean, that's... That's mock mix. That's all part of the deal, it's I nothing. guess, isn't yeah. it? Before we carry on any further, 
Just to let listeners know, we are speaking with Kaiser this week, episode 109 of Pirate Radio Podcasts. Uh, it's a pretty spur-of-the-moment sort of development, the fact that we've managed to reconnect here. Uh, since last we had spoke just a, a few years ago, during the time I was briefly affiliated with Leo Ashcraft show and production, along with Jeremy Scott, I believe was his name, the main host of the show Dark 30 Radio, or Dark Radio 30? One of the Zero other. Dark 30. Zero Dark 30. Uh, yeah, something basically yeah. along those lines. But just to pick things up from where we left off, there have been times where you found yourself in pretty tight spots over the years, I'd imagine. Are there any of these, the close calls that you'd be comfortable in sharing with us, or is this just a kind of no-go zone? I can be comfortable with most of them. I mean, there's one I'll never talk about again, just because I had a brother blow his brains out because he heard it on the radio or the interwebs. It kind of went viral, and so I'll never talk about it. And I'll never admit it again. What I will say, being very frank and honest, everybody who's done PSDs, everybody who's done static security, have had close calls. It's all dependent on time, distance, and barrier. Okay? That means what is not going to come into your thing. If you have a bunch of... uh, sandbags, then there's less chance it's going to get in through the barrier, right? If you're not there at a specific time, you're going to be fine. And with the sandbag, you also have to think about up-armored or no-armored, maybe sandbags in the no-armored, or plates, whatever you put in there. People are pretty ingenious in a war zone. And then time-distance shielding, TDS. Sorry, I I said barrier, but it's basically shielding. Distance being how fast you can move to get out of the area, off the X. And that's what we call it, getting off the X. The area, the X marks the spot spelled for danger. Remember that when you were kids? Uh, Gen Xers, maybe boomers too. That's the reality of it. So you move off the X, get in your distance, from the initial conflict, you have your shielding, no matter what it is, to move yourself downrange. And then the time, how much time you're taking impacts and how much of your shielding is being eroded. That's basically the easiest way I can describe it to you. And it's the same if you're on a static gig, too, with sandbags or whatever. It's the same fucking thing. Excuse my French. It is a pirate ship. The occasional F-bomb or two is not all that much of a problem since we, once again, as regular listeners know, operate in accordance with the George Carlin rule of thumb, whereby you... It's the choice, I guess, and just the timely and and tasteful uh, usage of profane language, which is seen as completely fine of course too we just don't like to it's more of an expletive yeah to describe something that's right exactly. i wasn't doing it to be vulgar and there's the difference but you know some people may not feel that way 
but it's an expletive to describe the difference, you know, getting off the eggs. It's an imperative. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Fucking right, Smitty. You know, it's important that we do draw to listeners' attention as well, too. Just once again, you do have your own video vlog YouTube channel put together. We're not sure if we'll be seeing uh, anything coming out on iTunes or what have you, as far as a more kind of formal podcast format is concerned. But uh, the name of the channel is, as I recall, Sword Point Nine. Now, yeah. I'm not sure how you came up with that name exactly, but uh, it's a rather intriguing reference or title. So any real significance behind Sword Point Nine? Yeah, there is. Sword Points and Spear Points are purpose-built. Um, not getting into the details on it. All I'll say is look at what we did to uh, Europe with Operation Gladio. And sword points and spear points were the reverse. Except, funny enough, the West understood what was going on, and everybody that were sword points or spear points got turned. And I'm not getting any deeper than that. But what I'll tell you is, I was sword point number nine. And that was my call sign in the Army, and in the Marine Corps, and in the National Guard. It's a fact. Nobody can deny it. And it's purpose-built. And I am purpose-built. I'm not a super soldier. Don't go twisting that bullshit up. But I'm just a regular guy. A normal dude. If you saw me on the street until I said something, you wouldn't know who I was. Trust me. No, I hear you on that. One of the things that I would like to ask you about, and this is kind of, well, this is interesting. Hopefully you have something to say or a few comments, insight, uh, thoughts, or what have you. But as you'll hopefully recall, the uh, this is going back to Bin Laden, the SEAL yeah. Team 6 raid on the yeah. Bin Laden, supposed Bin Laden compound in Pakistan. That whole... Debacle. It's, it's a debacle once again. <laughs> it's funny how this is just one train wreck piled upon the next is what it seems. But then shortly following that, just coincidentally enough, uh, is what some would have us believe, there was a helicopter that crashed carrying, I guess it was around 17 members of... Yeah, Extortion this, 17. Or, I'm and sorry, I'm not sure how many members it was. I guess that was the name, Extortion 17. And the, was that the, all just a coincidence then, that helicopter crash? No, no, the title is Extortion 17, and I lost a brother of mine. He was a Filipino. He was a dog handler. Anybody smart enough to look up, I'm not giving his name out right now, but he died on that. And there's a statue of him and his dog. I'm not giving the dog's name out either. Uh... But yeah, those that are that are wise will look at it. And Extortion 17 was a leak from our past administration to our enemies. Trust me, this deep state thing, we need to get into that. Because the deep state, brother, that's the whole reason why I changed my old channel. And you've known me a long time. And you know... And so do my bros, all of them. I haven't lost any of them, but I had to go hard right 
and people that didn't know me were like, well, I'm, I'm bouncing. Well, that's fine. But I knew it was a fight. And I also knew the one thing that I always know is the only thing when the left goes stupid, retarded, that will bring them back to the center is hard right. And that's all I'll say on that. But you know what I mean. And I'm not going to get in depth on that. That's why I have a new channel. All right. Uh, what, though, of the, speaking of deep state and so forth, the actual helicopter crash itself, the powers that be would just shrug it off as mere coincidence, I guess, and uh, I'm not sure what they'll they chalked do, it up to, human error or mechanical the same failure? Shit. No, no, it was rockets that brought it down, but look, here's the thing. They did the same stuff in Syria. Look, the Air Force drops material all the time. It will burn in the ground, or it'll burn in the ground means it falls out of its what they're dropping it on, or it will land, and it may be slightly off. They're pretty good at logistics. I made a video on this, too. But you're still going to be able to recover it because it's going to be close enough to the lines of fire. And I've been on combat outpost in probably one of the most deadly places on the planet. Combat outpost telecon. I've seen what they do. And other places too. I just was given that as an example. When you're in Syria and the forward line of battle, the flot, is so close and all of a sudden your stuff intentionally drops into your enemy... And we had special forces from the West, not just the U.S. Here's the Moxnicks that everybody, oh, it's U.S., U.S. No, it's the West. And it's being purpose-built to do that. That means the Air Force got orders on coordinates where to drop it. And guess what? It wasn't for our guys. You asked me earlier why I don't work for the U.S. directly anymore. That's why. I don't trust the U.S. anymore. I don't even trust the West, really. Well, John Lear, uh, who you may have heard of, he the son of the founder of the Learjet company, who was a former supposed uh, pilot for, among others, the CIA, said that he would never, in fact, if he had the chance again to join the company in the current age, that he would most certainly not do that and the reason being is simply that these days you cannot tell the good guys from the bad ones in many cases uh whereas back in the 60s i guess he felt you know his era it was a little different story that the the lines were a little more clearly drawn and that you wouldn't uh, necessarily have somebody turning on you or stabbing you in the back throwing you under the bus well in the 80s all the way through to 2006, March of 2006, I would have agreed with him wholeheartedly that the U.S. is a bulwark, right? And then 2009, that situation I told you about, that changed my perception completely. That was when SEAL Team I, 6 was taken out? Is that what we're talking about now? Or no, that, no, no. Was that no, the pivotal I, incident or not? No, the pivotal incident was when I'm 
accidentally human trafficking, even though I wasn't. Uganda, gotcha. Yes. Yeah. And that I was, was one there. more thing. We wanted to go back to that and ask you, and you can just keep where we're at right now, but also let's not forget, I want to ask you about Trump and his stance on human trafficking. Have you addressed he, that at some point? Maybe you can tie this into everything. I have. He's going after child trafficking, all this stuff. That's what it seems. But yeah. notice yeah. but notice the Brits, this is the funny part. They're the ones screaming the hardest because of their Muslim population being so big now in London. And their mayor, Sadiq Khan, here's the funniest part. And that's why you see nationalism with Austria, with Italy, with Hungary, and with Poland standing up against it because they realize this globalism is nothing about but feeding people into a project that is wrong project for the new american century among other things there you go baby and people they always forget another thing look you can commit injustice by just not saying anything and so as a warrior what do you do? Should I turn a blind eye, not say anything? Should I just exit stage left? Which I did, but I still have a mouth to speak. They haven't shut me up yet. They will one day. They may do it. Look at what happened with the gentleman that was going on and talking truth. And now you're seeing that he's being held by the FBI in Cleveland. You need to look up who he is. I'm not going to say his name. But there's a guy being held right now. And you know what his only curse was? He worked for InfoWars. And I'm not a big AJ supporter, but that needs to cause some thought process. Yeah, that's a lot of people speaking of InfoWars, and I have not yeah, heard Flurgy it. Yeah, plan. Flurgy plan. You just posted that you want me to get into clergy land before you do i'll tell you all about it before you do and just to remind listeners in case they're not up to speed on things tonight kaiser is celebrating well among other things i guess he's enjoying a little bit of r&r before having to return into the field of operations as it were that uh, I'm not sure what are you imbibing in there, uh, <laughs> as, as all good pirates do, of course. Not not quite a grog mix, but uh, you're celebrating with what tonight? Miller High Life, the champagne beers. <laughs> okay, so just in case listeners, it's not good old OB beer where you don't know what the alcohol content oh, could be. You can drink it like water, and then all of a sudden you get one that just puts you on the ground. Speaking of uh, Korean alcohol, you referenced earlier Macaulay and 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 Soju yeah. in particular is uh, for me it's it's straight out of Orwell's 1984 Victory Gin is uh, every time I see that I, I can't help but think Victory Gin. We of course here have our just endless number of Victory Mansions with the I guess the proletariat uh, celebrating their uh, you know just the ongoing endless revolution against the. You know, the same way they do it in the north, only it's it's reflected back in an opposite direction. So, 
anyways, who knows ultimately what's going to come of things there. But I would like to talk a little bit more about North Korea before we end things off here with this episode, draw things to cool. a close. But let's just back up because we're kind of getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. The Trump business and human trafficking, that's a big issue. And that goes back to what you saw in Uganda, of course, and how things maybe have changed. Since no, I saw the it in Obama Iraq. Administration. We were using third country nationals. TCNs that were Uganda, and that's where human trafficking was happening. Well, how about? I want to be very clear about that. Gotcha. You know, people think I might be drunk, but I'm not. I can actually speak and tell you what I mean. I'm telling you, I'm celebrating. I'm having a good time. The best part of this time is I'm with Jaffe. Jaffe and me have not talked till last night for probably six years. Oh, no, it was about maybe two or three. <laughs> no, it's a little longer than that, I think. Look at Leo Ashcraft when he went off line. I think yeah. it'll be a little longer. Okay. But the beautiful part is I'm celebrating two things. My victory that I outed what was going on with North Korea. Three weeks before it now is history. This happened with Kim Jong-un. The second thing is I'm very happy I'm talking to Jaffe and just being honest. So that's why I'm happy tonight and I am celebrating because I need to because there's been so much BS thrown out. And guess what? You're going to see Mueller's going to get thrown out very soon. This is breaking on your program right now. So make sure to hit it on your program on this date because Flynn's going to get rid of his charges. And that will make Mueller the guy that is going after nothing. He's chasing ghosts. And once that happens, he'll be relieved. You know, one of the main policies that Trump ran on in the lead-up to and over the course of his campaign was this business of hashtag DTS, Drain the Swamp. What do you think, in you know mentioning this, of his recent appointment of, is it Michael Bolton? No, might as well be, but <laughs> John Bolton, Arch Neocon. This is more like fill the swamp, isn't it? What's going on there? My thought with Bolton, it's kind of smart in a way, and I'm going to tell you why. People forget who he was. He was the U.N. guy under Bush Jr., okay? And he also filled in under Reagan and Bush Sr. Now, here's the good part. He has a reputation. I believe Trump told him before he brought him in. This is just my belief. If I'm wrong, we're going to find out by mushroom clouds, but we're not going to see that. The Russians respect him. Everybody respects him. The last guy, Department of State, I can't think of his name right now, damn it. He was totally a businessman. This guy is a neocon. And so they're afraid of him, but I believe Trump told him, I'm going to keep you on a short leash. But he said, be my attack dog. So we need to see what he does. The proof will be in the pudding, especially with Korea and China. Also. You need to look at Iran. We're rebuilding the bases everywhere that surrounds Iran. And then all we got to do is move the carrier group once we get 
Korea, North Korea, to chill out. And we're seeing that first movement tonight. So I guess these moves are working, in my opinion. And I am the foremost expert on my opinion, but it doesn't mean it's right. What do you think, just then, within the context of things and what we're seeing in North Korea? You know, for me, for the longest time, speaking of cognitive dissonance, looking at things, asking myself, I know, and probably a few others out there, what's wrong with this picture? North Korea constantly uh, whining and complaining about their oh, lack of resources, uh, money resources, primarily. They want more cash, more handouts. Yeah. But at the same time, you look around at things, and me, I'm no economic or uh, like marketing genius, but in North Korea, last time I checked, marijuana was completely legal. It is. <laughs> I know is like, it is. Yeah. And our listeners know as well, the regular listeners at least, because I'm constantly harping about this issue and have been going on about this long before Rodman ever showed up with Trump's art of the deal in hand, uh, his trip as well being sponsored by Potcoin of all yeah. things. So what I'm thinking and what I've been talking about for the longest time is, look, you need money. You need some sort of economic stimulation development. Why not promote pot tourism? Plain and simple. Yeah. Pyongyang no. could virtually be transformed into the Amsterdam of Asia. Hookers aside, that's another issue overnight with coffee shops catering to tourists you could have a special zone that they could be shipped into and just contained yeah. within a certain area if that was an issue you know if the, uh, that, the authorities were that, a little sensitive that's to, uh, not going to happen because it has to be the way it's going to be well if it uh, doesn't if they don't capitalize and seize upon that to me they will i call, I call they total will. bullshit it's no like, what? this no. is it's phony no as jay no. dyer have you have you no. heard about jay dyer seen the way i know he's called jay the dyer he's, as, a, as a phony like a cia it's state. an op i know i know Puppet what state. he says but here's what i'm telling you bro here's the thing it's not a cia op this guy is for real the cia has been working him but it is what it is Here's what I see. He will go look. I'm shutting my eyes now so you understand what I'm saying. So I can be very clear. He knows he has to find a soft place for him and his sister and his family to land so they're not executed if there's a Russian country, which there's not going to be. That's already been, and he's found it. And maybe China. It could possibly be in South Korea. And you would never know. Or some other country. But they will probably link up. Remember, Kim Jong-un went to school in Scandinavia. Switzerland, I, I believe. Yeah, exactly. And that's probably where the meeting will take place. It'll be very fair. Neutral ground. The open meeting. And... He'll be able to take his family to a safe place, contain the family line. It's probably going to be China. That's why I said this is breaking news. I understand more than most. So unless deep state gets involved, I'm not worried about Bolton at all. I believe he's on a short leash. My thought process is more focused on Iran, because we are rebuilding the bases that surround Iran in Afghanistan, Iraq. Then you got to get Israel, all the other 
states from former Soviet Union that we went in and invaded Afghanistan with. I believe Korea is going to take itself out of the equation. They're going to give up everything, and they're going to be very pliable. And they have some interesting technology, you know, but their computer technology is like what Jay Dyer say, uh, Commodore 64 computers. It's funny, but he's probably really correct on that. But remember, it was Clinton that allowed North Korea to become a nuclear power. And if you doubt me, you need to think about Uranium-1 and the Soviets. Now, here's the false flag. is turning the Soviet Union back into communists. No, we're communists now. With the SJWs, with all this shit going on right now in our country, we are the new communists. And this is why they're going after the Second Amendment. And the First Amendment. There's a big problem. And that's my two cents. And I'll shut up. No, you said that's a lot of great analysis and insight commentary that you're providing there, of course. And we could pick things up or address it in a multitude of different ways. Uh, For example, you mentioned the deep state angle on North Korea. Then there's the whole geopolitical issue within the context of what we're looking at over in the Middle East. Jay Dyer's take on the whole business. But I would like to ask you then about the deep state angle. And you were conditional kind of couching your remarks in the context in terms of if this, then that. So if, I'm not sure, I'm not too clear on that with respect to the deep state, but what were you getting at as far as their involvement or role regarding North Korea and how that would play out versus... Well, the deep state can always undercut Trump. I mean, look at what they've done nationally. We have a deep state now that, honestly, if you were going to apply for a federal LEO job or a federal uh, intel job, I would tell you, honestly, act like a liberal. Act like a SJW. You'll get hired. If you acted like you had some brains about you, you're not going to get that job. Yeah, you got to be politically correct, don't you? It changed. you got to be very yeah, PC. Changed. Totally PC. Well, PC, here's the thing about PC. It drives me nuts. Every time I talk to somebody, they're like, when was the first time you heard political correctness? They'll say, Clinton. And I'll say, you're stupid and you're wrong. And I'll say, go back to Bush's kinder, gentler America, a thousand points of light speech. That's the first time you'll hear a more political correct society. So it's both sides, both parties, which is the same snakehead feeding the snake body. It's like a dual-headed snake. You have to think about it that way. And I mean this. We're being undermined, and Trump's the only chance. You're not going to buy him. You're not going to scare him by saying, oh, this girl who screwed you 20 years ago is going to come out against you. We can't have that. That's why he's uncontrollable. It can be good. It can be bad. We have to keep his feet to the fire, and I think we have. So that's my two thoughts on it. You know, speaking of the 
North Korean nuclear program. Uh, you mentioned Clinton, and yes, I do believe that is the case, along with Donald Rumsfeld, of all people. There was yes. a famous picture, of course, of him shaking hands with his good friend and business partner, Saddam Hussein, back in the, I guess, mid to early 1980s. The and Laurel Corporation, who he allowed to ship it to China, which is going to go down to North Korea. We're talking billions of dollars, 50, oh, yeah. maybe 80 oh, yeah. billion. It was a deal, apparently, that was cut. This is the official narrative, from what I understand. Countless billions of dollars that was handed over as a kind of blackmail sort of uh, effort to keep the North Korean regime mollified. <laughs> Should never yeah, use or, words bigger than what you know what they mean, but keep them happy. Or on our or on our teeth. But here's the thing that makes me laugh: we vilified Kim Jong Un so bad, just like we have Putin. I think Kim Jong Un is like. Okay, I'm just going to do this because I've seen what you did in Libya. I saw what you did in Iraq. I saw what you did in Panama. I'm going to find a different way to escape. And I think he is a thinker. He's doing something different. And I don't think the deep state knows how to react on that particular thing. But what they will do is they'll go after Donald Trump. And this is where the American people honestly need to stand. Because Trump, he has his foibles. So do you, so do I. We're both closing in on 50, brah. And honestly, we're not perfect speakers. Neither is he. But I think the American people didn't want the perfect speaker or they wouldn't have elected him. That's my two cents. Right. And of course, there's always... Back-channel uh, communications, I think we've kind of talked about that. I'm not sure if it was over the course of our conversation here or off the record in the lead-up to things, but anyone that looks at the situation understands these back-channels always exist. So that yes. we're constantly presented through the mainstream media a filtered version of reality, whereas the truth of the matter is a lot more closer to home and most people have no idea what's really going on. Let's put it that way. With any You're right. Geopolitically. Behind, right. behind the scenes, of course. A lot of false assumptions. People operating from and jumping to all kinds of wild uh, conclusions, just completely ignorant in their reasoning. So we have to be very careful and, uh, dare I say, conservative when it comes to yes. uh, making you know, any uh, decisive uh, statements regarding whatever matter it is that we happen to be addressing. So a number of issues here, talking points that are just kind of coming up as we converse here. This is, of course, Thursday, the 29th of March in Korea, the evening, I suppose, of the 28th back in the United States. I'm not sure if you're keen on disclosing what part of the U.S. you're based out of or not. But I know that it's in the eastern time zone, so... I'm from Ohio, close to Columbus. Right. 20 miles from Columbus, so I have no fear. Look, they know where I'm at. If they want to come here, it's going to be a bad day for everybody, including me. And then they're going to explain things. What I was going to ask you about, Kaiser, this is really important now, because if you are someone who's a truth teller, not really even a whistleblower, because you're not really 
you're, all you're doing is providing your opinion of how you see right. things, your analysis. So it's not like you're unpacking all this classified, top-secret information. But in the event that, let's say, the powers that be feel that people such as yourself, not only you but others, become too much of a... Problem. Yeah, like a burden or a threat or just a pain in the ass. There are ways, especially when you find yourself over, let's say, in places like Afghanistan, to have things play out so that you or whoever it may be uh, winds up conveniently in a body bag, basically. My book is written, and I've been sure to go on enough places and drop enough crumbs and I do believe this. True investigators can look it up and can find it and uncover the truth. So if that does happen, unfortunately, I'm nobody. I'm, I'm seriously telling you something. I'm no one. I am a regular guy. But if that does happen, I know people will look. Maybe not this generation. Maybe not the next. But somebody will find this in the ether. And that's why I drop these breadcrumbs. And I mean that. People will say, well, he's drunk or this and the other. I'm telling you the truth. It sounds so, good to me from my end here. Like you just, you simply got a good little buzz on. You know, I wouldn't put it too far over the line of being drunk or wasted or what have you. Just, no, you're feeling, right. you're in a good state of mind. and uh, I'm happy. There you go. I'm happy. Yeah, no crime. Last time I checked. I'm not upset. I, I'm just, the biggest thing I'm happy about is Jaffe and I haven't talked for a few years. We talked for a short bit, and he privileged me to come on his show, and I have told him the truth. And I always will tell the truth. I'm not going to lie. Certain things I'll never speak of again because I lost. I will never lose a brother from my words. And uh, that's all I'll say on that. But I thank you for letting me on your show, bro. Oh, it's our pleasure. You know I mean, by all means, uh, it's people such as yourself who really make the show come to life in a big way. So just one last item, because it really needs to be addressed, to be clear for the record. People such as yourself coming from the line of work that you're in typically have managed to put together a relatively decent insurance policy. Yes, I have. So yeah. I have. And I don't I, yeah. by that I don't mean insurance policy in the No, I know. Sense, I know. But, uh, I know. As you say, leaving breadcrumb here and there and, and yeah. information and uh, perhaps uh, different items that you are not really keen on sharing with the wider world here via outlets such as ourselves, Pi Radio podcasts or other venues but just yeah you keep uh kind of on the down low i guess and in the event that you happen to uh disappear or find myself with my car going very fast and the engine blowing up and all of a sudden i get gacked out because of the impact yeah i understand what insurance you're saying policy yeah how many yeah. journalists i mean they did that to your your hider princess diana there was that michael hastings what I, was uh, talking I mean, about. anything with a computer chip can be hacked. That's why I only use cars 2005 and back. My pickup, my car, my war wagon. I've told my son, 
by the way, he's a Marine, just like Papa. He's got your back, I'd imagine, too. No, I, I don't indoctrinate my son. I never will. Just because they have to find their truth themselves. Honestly, it's sort of fraudulent if you indoctrinate people. I'm not the indoctrinational guy. What I meant, what I'm, I meant by that, though, Kaiser, was that most you know father son relationships, at least you know, if it's a, a healthy one, uh, which is often hard to come by these days, but you find it you know sometimes definitely there that the sons and fathers they look out for each other, and where oh, the rubber will. hits the road, that the uh, crunch kind of situation, you know, crisis situation, that they they'll back each other, over, not rather the house, stab each other in the back. The house of Shuff stands. And I will tell you this, the House of Shuff, here's the thing, I, I made a video on this, or a vlog on it. Kaiser's Castle. Yeah, I told people, the most valuable assets are the people you don't know, because they are Gen Xers, uh, they're boomers, and they have dumb phones, just like I do, pay as you go, with cash we do something and we make differences and uh i've told people this get a car a hoopty that's what i like to call them from my area that's what we call them and let your brother who is not linked in to the internet the interwebs whatever you want to call it and let them get insurance or not but they have to make sure they have they have to license that car so they have to have unlicensed insurance and so do you and the same with guns if they're going to save your guns they have to do their due diligence and that shit belongs to them but they also have to understand at some point if somebody says I want my keys. I want my guns. There's no questions asked. You know, speaking of uh, guns and the Second Amendment, this is one of the issues that we're hoping to press you on a little, especially within the context of medical marijuana. Uh, we were just uh, off the record before right. the we recording took it. place. Yeah. We discussed this business a little bit and how i guess from what we're hearing and you're going to fill our audience in on this a little more but that uh the second amendment rights are being violated once again the federal government doing all it can to prohibit medical marijuana users from owning firearms people that drink that's fine you know <laughs> drink all you yeah. want i guess and shoot all you want but unless you're uh, drunk. these crazy yeah. pot smokers you know nothing of course said with respect to ssris you can have all the guns you want there too with your no your, uh, no shootings no that's or, that's something we'll correct when we talk about it so uh, and the floor is yours so let's let's hear your your take okay on first off ssris that's what the government wants you to take and guess what? You Second Amendment guys, you veterans, listen to me on this. They know this is the secret to mass shootings. Okay? That's for real. Now, marijuana, CBD oil, whatever you want to call it, 
CBD oil has no psychoactive ingredients. Psychoactive at all. But they still schedule one it. Okay. Now the states that are allowing you veterans, and I am saying you veterans, to get that for your PTSD, brothers and sisters, and I know it goes both ways. I understand. I'm a veteran too. That's why I don't do any of this shit. I am telling you, stay away. Because that's where they're going to go grab. The next grab they do is going to be, oh, well, the pharmacy or the doctor. And when you go to the VA, oh, it gets annotated. Instead of using the SSRIs, which still will get you banned, the marijuana or the CBD or whatever you're doing, they'll say, well, you're adjudicated, you know, addictive to marijuana. You're not, but that's what they'll say. Remember, the ATF's not your friends. Neither is the FBI. Everybody keeps saying, oh, it's only the head of the FBI. All these line agents are so perfect. They're so great. Fuck that. You have to understand, every federal, and I was a Fed, every federal agent or officer that gets near you, they can make a mountain out of a molehill. All you have to do is accidentally lie. And you don't even have to be purposeful. All you have to do is accidentally lie. And then they got you on one charge. And they they want you to roll up other people. And you think with text, Treasury Enforcement Communication System, which is plugged into everything for us veterans, okay? The VA says, okay, he's no longer using the SSRIs or he's using marijuana. Either way, you're screwed because now you can no longer own a gun. That's a problem. That's a major problem. Yeah, the federal government once again poaching or preying upon people's constitutional rights as we all know the constitution is not there for the betterment or for the expansion of the state it rather was crafted or legislated to support citizens rights it was the handcuff to the state you know and here's the thing nobody wants to hear honestly is use your rights use them or lose them exactly And you may not agree. Look, I don't agree with what the kids did out there with their freedom of speech. But guess what? The Second Amendment, they don't know. They're too ignorant to know that their freedom of speech is only guaranteed by the Second Amendment. The First Amendment's guaranteed, and all amendments are always guaranteed by the Second Amendment. And that's all I have to say. Well, look at and the Fourth Amendment, too, with the unreasonable search and seizure. That's constantly, grossly being abused, abused and yeah. just the, the endless, nonstop, systemic violations on the part yeah. of the federal government and various alphabet agencies, of course. Warrantless surveillance. I mean, come on, people. Got to stand yeah. up against this and speak out against it and hold the bastards accountable. 
Seriously. To the point where we're having truth and reconciliation hearings. This includes prohibition of marijuana as well, too. That is one of the greatest plants that has ever... People talk about you know God's creations and so forth. Well, it's the Garden of Eden, straight out of the Garden of Eden. And it's such a rich and bountiful crop or item. It is a sin to ignore its potential as far as healing and every other matter is concerned, whether it's creativity or spiritual usage or you name it. It's utterly reprehensible what they have done. So, yes, truth and reconciliation hearings holding these bastards accountable. Let me just... Do you not see why I love Jaffe? (laughs) Jaffe gets this. Jaffe knows exactly what's going on, and you have just been enjoyed... Hopefully you've enjoyed this conversation of a man that actually, I can't remember if you served or not, and it doesn't matter, Jaffe. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you just found the dude that knows what is going on with all the amendments. And he understands the Second Amendment is the only thing that guarantees every amendment, period. And I will shut up, Jaffe. It's very important stuff. There is, as Alex Jones likes to talk about, a war for our minds. It's true. The word, very word government, in fact, does mean mind control. That's why we here on the Robin Hood emphasize and try to promote the theme of autonomy, which means literally self-naming, so that we take back the power and empower ourselves. That doesn't mean that we have to be totally selfish and ignorant bastards egotistical and and narcissistic, we can operate within a collective depending on the situation. But let me just back up a little bit. Because of this importance regarding the FBI, J. Edgar Hoover in particular, what a piece of work that guy was. Apparently, every single promotion that he ever handed out or awarded during his entire term or stay, his position at the helm of the agency, any promotion ever handed out you had to be a Freemason. If you were not, forget about it. <laughs> you were not getting nothing. So that's my understanding. Uh, hashtag fact check. So isn't that something? I mean, I'm sure, Kaiser, you've come across probably a few of the brethren, as some refer to them, Freemasons and otherwise. When I was a Boy Scout and an Eagle Scout, before I went into the military, I was... Uh, also inducted in DMLA. And then I got inducted because of my German heritage and to Tonic Knights. And honestly, I can't speak to what they do because I'm in a different brotherhood. It's a Germanic brotherhood I have. So I can't explain any of that. So military, police, judges, lawyers, seems to me my impression is the majority of them are Freemasons. That's just a fact. You know, you have no. It is. People it in is the pop culture, no, entertainment world, performers. You're you're speaking truth, but I'm just saying I can't speak to that because I took a different path. Well, and if you've and, taken an oath as well, too, you can only reveal certain things. So I understand. No, I I can reveal everything about it. I mean, the Teutonic Knights, honestly, is nothing more than hospitlers now. It's not what people think on our side, but with them. There is, as I said, 
I was a Malay. And that's the Jacques very same Demolay. order that Bill Clinton was recruited into as a yes. young man as well, too, let's not forget. So he was being groomed and monitored, as we all are from that age, and certain prospects, they're scouted out and kept a close watch upon. But, uh, you know, a lot of uh, CIA recruitment and various other alphabet agencies Perhaps, you know, I'd imagine that's why you found the success and number of open doors, really, that came your way, welcoming you and encouraging you to just, you know, pursue your goals. And You would not be wrong on that. No. (laughs) You would not be wrong on that. Well, and and as you say, your your ethnic heritage as well, too. Like, that's, uh, you're expected to serve in that capacity, really. You were raised as a as a young warrior and a fighter. So it's, of course, it's quite traditional and you're in the place that you are because that was your, would you say birthright or instinctive kind of natural calling. So I can tell you the easiest way to explain it. And this is from basic training in the army at 17. And this is the easiest way to explain it. And anybody that's been in the military can tell you the same thing. There is no caste system in the U S officially, right? But what you will find is probably about 90% of the men that go into the volunteer service, their uncle, grandfather, their father, somebody has been in the military, and that's why they join. And it's so awesome that we're having this conversation. This is without chains. This is without hooks. That's why I like Jaffe is he brings out the best on every guest. And this, honestly, if it wasn't for it being me celebrating, I was right yet again, I wouldn't be drinking. And I feel bad that he's getting me on this level. But it's for real. And nobody in the military can deny this is the truth. We all talk when we're in the squad bay. We all talk. Whenever we're doing everything. And uh, Jaffe, you're doing the Lord's work. And I'm just thankful that we're talking tonight. I appreciate that. It's been great having this conversation. I think we've pretty much managed to run the gamut. There's a few other little items that I'd like to converse with you on. I'm not sure if you've got time or the interest to save that for a bit of an after show. It all depends, really, and runs for about an hour, usually. the what we uh, put together there with the Rogues Gallery after show. It's premium Patreon content for our patrons over on Patreon, as as well as anyone that provides a PayPal donation or what have you. And let's just to remind listeners, let's not forget half of every single penny that comes our way, or doubloon, as it were, in pirate language, in accordance with the true Robin Hood spirit, it goes directly back to charity, half of everything that we receive directly to charity. And we held true to that over the course of the past few Christmas seasons as well with Operation Secret Santa that we've uh, actively engaged in. So we're happy to do that. And uh, let's... Hi, uh, matey. <laughs> actually, you know, we, we had talked about perhaps the captain coming in here and joining us at the end of the show, did we not? So let's see if we can get him on the line. Give here. me a couple seconds, one second. Sinclair, are you there? Not getting much there, so maybe he's... You know, he likes to uh, 
Sometimes a little bit of the grog as well himself. Captain Sinclair? That's happy. I'm here. Captain Sinclair, standing by at the ready. I've been listening to the whole show with Shazaha with Kaza. Really quite the ordeal. Number of How's it going, Captain? Captain? How's it going, Welcome Captain? aboard, Kaza. Thank you. Have you. Part of the Robin Hood crew here for this episode here, this week at least. So good to reconnect. Good to see you and Jaffe reconnect. Oh, yeah, it's been awesome. It's been a good time. This has been an awesome show, I think, for him. We much appreciated your pirate story early as well. Long coat. Yay! So, ahoy, matey. Enjoy the rest of the show. You're nipping into the grog there. Uh, plenty fine in accordance with the ship's articles. Keeping a relatively level keel, uh... Every pirate likes to have a little bit of fun, so no worries at all, my friend. All the best. Uh, tally-ho. Tally-ho. I like that. There goes the captain. Well, yeah, he doesn't always drop in, only for certain guests. So that was really great that he did that, uh, just to show a little bit of his appreciation of having you uh, come on board. Let's hear, before we close things off here then, and... Uh, uh, sail on out over to the, the after show end of things. Now you're on minds.com. That is how we, of course, reconnected here. Yes. Uh, that was, I mean, that was just something else. I was myself scratching my head, couldn't quite understand what was going on. And like, uh, I couldn't either. I've talked about it. I was careful not to make any <laughs> false assumptions, thinking, like, what, what the fuck, man? Is this guy, has he got some problem with me? Cause if he does, I want to find out. Like, what's the deal there, dude? Is, I didn't, I had no okay? clue. Yeah. Okay. I hit something wrong. No, no. So we got that cleared up. That's great. And very auspicious and really great thing to see come about. Some wonderful synergy. So sword point nine is what people want to look for. Yeah. They're on YouTube. Now, have you got any actual podcast archive location? I or? do. I do. But, uh, SoundCloud? the problem. Automatic. No, no. What I'm going to tell you is. does it for episode 109 of pi radio podcasts be sure to join us next week same time as always 8 p.m pacific standard time 11 p.m out on the east coast as we stream to you our regular weekly feature show joining us next week will be william ramsey as he makes a Return visit yet once again to the Robin Hood. We'll be discussing the West Memphis Three and various other conspiracy-related phenomenon. The annual 2018 John Ford Roundtable. 
the following week, Friday, June 8th, with Aaron Wadsworth, fellow expat living here in South Korea. His second trip back to the Robin Hood, June 15th. One can imagine there will be a fair deal of Korea-based content and conversation over the course of that 90-minute show. June 22nd, Minds.com personality Al Zombie rounding off our monthly schedule. We will, as things go, be taking the last week off in order to set aside a little time for work that we can hopefully invest in producing Patreon content. It's been a bit of a struggle to this point, unfortunately, over the last couple of months in particular because of our heavy workload. If there is anyone out there in the listing audience interested in claiming the five mines tokens that are up for grabs per hour of post-produced premium Patreon content, be sure to contact us. We'll also be able, of course, to keep a copy of your post-produced work, and we will as well be sure to give you a shout-out during the midweek World Pirate Radio News segment. The main website is, of course, WPRPN.com, along with emails, Pirate1Radio at gmail.com or Pirate1Radio at protonmail.com. You can also find us over on Minds.com, Pirate Radio Network, or my own personal channel, Simply Jaffe Rider. Also be sure, of course, as always, to like, comment, and share any of the content we produce which you find interesting, helpful, enlightening, even entertaining, perhaps. If you can't back us via PayPal, Patreon, or even Minds.com, premium content, tip jar donations. It doesn't take much to help share the content. Just click on a button or two and connect with your friends via social media. Let them know a little bit more about what it is we have to offer. Once again, half of all donations that we do accumulate and pool together is distributed for various public good works and charities, including any number of people out there in need, all in accordance, of course, with the classic Robin Hood philosophy. On behalf of Captain Long John Sinclair and all the rest of the crew here on the Robin Hood, until we meet again out on the high digital seas, I'm your host as always, the ship's chief communications officer, Jaffe Ryder. 
I know. There we be. Having carefully looked over each of our navigation panel instruments, checking every level, switch, dial, cable, knob, and pulley, by all accounts and indications, we indeed see it's time once again to drop anchor inside Mystic Bay and draw an end to another week of Pirate Radio Podcasts. Remember, if you're looking for a little more lively online action, keep in mind we've likely got yet another great free-flowing rogues gallery after show coming up for the next hour in either Skype, Google Hangouts, or Peer.im. Also, if you've in any way enjoyed or found yourself benefiting from the shows we've tirelessly produced over the past two years, you might want to drop by our Patreon tip jar page and lend a little support. Half of all network donations go directly to charity. Help to keep those numbers growing over on Patreon, and we'll be able to extend even more of a generous pirate hand. Looking forward now to the balance of 2018, we're still not quite yet booked. So if you yourself have a new, novel, intriguing, or otherwise underreported idea unique individual, or pressing item in mind, be sure to either drop us a line directly over on WPRPN.com or fire us a quick email via PirateOneRadio at gmail.com. We're always open to exploring fresh creative suggestions, intriguing guest ideas, cutting-edge discussion topics, and captivating themes. You can further embark on your own personal pirate journey by either liking, commenting on, subscribing to, or just following us via virtually any mainstream social media platform, including Twitter, Facebook, Google+, or Minds.com. So don't forget to become engaged. Until we meet again out on the high digital seas, I'm your host as always. The ship's chief communications officer, Javi Ryder. Tally ho.